Thank you for having us again. What an honor it is to be back with you on Wednesday night. And uh, as your pastor mentioned, my wife is feeling a little under the weather. Appreciate your prayers, but I'm sure that she will be back in due order uh, in a day or so. And, uh, of course, be with us worshiping this Sunday. She wanted me to tell everyone that she regrets that she could not be here. She loves all of you. And uh, I, I echo that. My wife and I love and appreciate all of you and this church. Aren't you thankful for the church? Aren't you thankful for those testimonies that we heard? And I know there, there could be a whole lot more, and I'm just so thankful. I'm, I don't even want to imagine where we'd be without each other, without the church. I don't know why anybody out there would not want to be a part of something like this. Amen. So you are blessed. I know you know that, but you are blessed. And um, we are going to read from Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 25. Romans chapter 7, verses 22 through 25. And um, we'll say quickly as well, appreciated everything uh, your pastor said in that devotional. And I'm not saying it just because he's here, but um, he has an amazing way of saying a whole lot in just a few sentences, just a few minutes of time. I feel convicted every time I hear him speak. Lord, help me to condense my messages. Help me to just get them a little bit shorter and sweeter like Pastor Prado. So, amen. It's, it's good to have people you can look up to in the Lord. And, He's one of them, and it's good to see Sister Prado. I mean, I love and appreciate her. So glad the Prados are back home after a um, successful but eventful time back east. So glad they're back here and uh, love them. Amen. Let's read this scripture together. <clears throat> Romans 7, 22 through 25. Scripture says, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God. He gives the answer right here. I thank God through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Amen. I want to preach to us tonight, teach, preach, whatever you want to call it, with the help of the Lord from this thought serving the Lord with your mind. Serving the Lord with your mind. Amen. It's an honor to be here with all of you tonight, but it's an even greater honor to be in the presence of God with you tonight. And if you feel that way, would you lift your hands one more time before you're seated? Would you lift your voice? And just make sure any and every distraction from the week, from your job, from the craziness of life, let's put it aside. Let's, let's put it away and say, Lord, speak to me. My heart and my mind is open. Encourage me. Strengthen me. Whatever's needed. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Thy kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. In Alameda as it is in heaven. In this church as it is in heaven. We thank you for every soul you filled with the Holy Ghost, for everything you've done, big and small. And God, we we believe that you're going to do something again tonight to strengthen us, help us, and deliver us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. The root of all of our problems, and this is going to sound like an oversimplification, but it's not. The root of all of our problems is not believing what God says. 
about himself, about us, and about all of life. That is the root of all of our problems. And we briefly mentioned this a little bit uh, as I felt to last Wednesday, but we're going to revisit it in a little more full form. Uh, we have Adam and Eve in the garden, and we know this is a part of the creation story, and we know, most of us know the story, the fall, how sin entered into the world. Uh, but we know that Eve was there in the garden. She was tempted by this serpent who told her to go ahead and eat this fruit that God had forbidden her to eat, and God uh, had given express reason and, and, and said, do not do this. And uh, the serpent basically said that what God said is not really true. You can go ahead and eat it. And of course, she did so. And um, shortly after that, and this is what we mentioned a little bit last week, is, uh, you know, when the Lord, uh, of course, Adam, uh, excuse me, Eve passed on the fruit to Adam. Adam ate. They were both in sin. Shortly after that, the Lord asked them a question. Of course, he knows the answer to it. It's a rhetorical question. The Lord asks questions to give information, not to get information. He knew, already knew the answer. But he said, he said, who told you that you were naked, right? Who told you that? Or... Another way you could put it is who gave you that idea? Who or what planted that idea in your mind? Because she was, she was hit by an idea, as we talked about. She was not hit with a stick or a stone. She was hit with an idea. The battle was here in the mind. And she believed what the serpent said over what God said. Amen? And um, she chose to believe a voice other than, of course, the voice of God. And ever since then, we have all been doing that and that is the root of all sin every single time that we choose to believe a voice other than God's voice we will always end up in sin or pain when we choose to believe our own voice or the enemy's voice or society's voice over the voice of God and can I just preach to somebody if there's been some voices in your head if there's been some thoughts if there's been some ideas that are contrary to the Lord and his will you have got to let God ask you that question hear that question echoing in your mind who told you that who gave you that idea who planted that there are you sure that that's really true are you sure that that's accurate come on when we start getting all kinds of funky ideas in our mind we need to ask ourselves who told us that where did that come from is that from the lord or society is that is that a good thought or is that from my backslidden family member is that a good thought or or is that a thought from a from a billboard or something i saw in this crazy world around me who told me that who gave me that idea i'm going to analyze it before i believe it and if it's not of God, I'm going to kick it out of my mind. This is one way that we can serve the Lord with our mind is by asking that question, who told us that and where did that idea come from? Amen. 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 We will always end up in sin or pain by choosing to believe our own voice, the enemy's voice, society's voice over the voice of God. And our mind will think things that are not true. Anybody agree to that? Our mind will feel things. Our mind and heart will feel things that are not true. Our mind will even assume things that are not true. In the scripture, there's several examples. I don't have time to go through all of them about assumptions. We've talked about this before, I think a few years ago here at this church. I'll mention it quickly. There was a situation in Acts chapter 16 where there was a jailer there. And the Bible says that uh, uh, the, the, the light, it was dark. The lights were out. The prison doors had opened. The earth had uh, sh uh, uh, shaken underneath his feet. And the jailer supposed, the Bible says, another translation says, assumed that all the prisoners had fled. You remember the 
the story of Paul and Silas? Well, there's a jailer there who supposed or assumed that all the prisoners had fled. And it was not until he heard the voice of God coming through the voice of the apostle Paul when Paul spoke out from the darkness and said, do thyself no harm. All of us, all the prisoners are still here. It's not what you think it is. Your assumption is wrong. And when the light was flicked on, the jailer realized what I assumed to be the case was wrong. I was assuming that no one was here. I was assuming that I'm all alone. I was assuming that everyone's forgotten about me. I was assuming this is the end. The Bible says he was on the verge of killing himself because of his assumption. Assumptions will kill you. The assumptions you have in your mind, if, if you don't submit them to the word of God and the will of God and the plan of God, they can end up with you dead. Amen. I'm going to make up in my mind, I'm not going to assume things. I'm not going to base big decisions based off of assumptions. It's going to end up with me in dark places. No, 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 no. I'm going to believe and trust what the word of God says. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to ask him to illuminate my situation. I'm going to pray and call for lights. And when the lights come on, I'm going to realize, hey, I don't have to give up. Hey, I'm not alone because what I assumed to be the case was not true at all. What I assumed to be true wasn't true. I'm not alone. God, you're still with me. Your church is still with me. I have nothing to fear. I'm not going to assume and believe the voice of the darkness any longer. Amen. That's one way we can serve the Lord with our mind is by making up our mind that we're not going to believe assumptions, that we're not going to make big decisions on assumptions. Amen. That if we start assuming things that are contrary to this word, I'm going to believe this word over my assumptions. Amen. Assumptions can kill us. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, the, the mind will play tricks on us and we'll start to assume other people's motives. Whether we know them or not, because you and I cannot crawl in each other's mind or skin and know exactly what the motive is. But we sure try to assume those things. And we'll get all worked up about other people based off an assumption that we don't even know is actually true. Let me give you a biblical example. 1 Samuel 20, 24 through 27. I'll read it quickly in the ESV. The Bible talks about David. He hid himself in the field. When the new moon came, the king sat down to eat food. This is, of course, referring to Saul. The king sat on his seat and uh, Jonathan sat near him. Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. David did not come to the king's table that night, of course, because we know Saul was trying to kill him. And yet Saul did not say anything that day, the Bible says, for he thought something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. He thought that David did not show up because David was not clean inside. He was not pure. Saul was so unclean in his spirit, he assumed David didn't show up because David too wasn't clean. You see? But that, that was not true. David didn't show up because he knew Saul's motives and he knew Saul was after him to take his life. But because Saul was so impure, because Saul's spirit was not clean, he assumed that everyone else was doing something that he might do. He was assuming everyone else had a little, had a little dirt and was not pure or clean and that must be why they haven't shown up. Sometimes we can assume things about others because that's actually what resides within ourselves. Sometimes we can we assume 
assume others are being jealous because we're jealous. We can assume other people are being a little bitter because we've got some bitterness. We can assume other people are full of envy and hatred because maybe we have some envy and hatred we have not dealt with in ourselves yet. If we want to serve the Lord faithfully with our mind, we've got to make up our mind. I am not going to make assumptions. I'm not going to live in assumptions. I'm not going to ascribe motives to other people when I don't know their heart and I don't know their motive. I'm going to trust God and give the benefit of the doubt and I'm going to give it time. I'm going to give it time and see what the truth is. You will know something by the fruit it bears. You will know the healthy state of something by the fruit that it bears, whether it's a person or an idea. And guess what? It takes time to bear fruit. So instead of making snap judgments and quick assumptions, give it time to see if what you're thinking is really true or not. Give it time to see if that fruit is really going to blossom. Amen? We cannot be people that just react and assume, but instead we got to say, I'm going to serve God with my mind. You know what the world does? The world assumes. The world cancels people. The world makes judgments on people when they don't even know the facts. I am not. If I say I'm not going to be like the world, I don't mean it just in my dress and thank God for that. I don't mean it just in the way I worship. I mean it in the way I think too. I am not going to be like the world and cancel and assume and judge when I don't even know half the facts of the situation. Hallelujah. I want to serve the Lord with my mind. Amen. And that's one indicator. If you start assuming things, let, let, it, let it all of a sudden, and, and this can help us. When we start assuming things, stop, pause, and pray and ask God, am I assuming this because there's something like this in me? Am I assuming someone else would do that because this is something that I might do or I would be tempted to do? And the Lord can use that. He'll lovingly respond and he'll help root things out of you if you're willing to ask that question. Serving the Lord with our minds. Amen. So whether it's, whether it's assumptions, whether it's feelings, you know, uh, feelings, man, feelings can be powerful. Uh, feelings can really trip us up. It's, it's really tempting. This is why you hear sermons all the time. Don't live according to your feelings. Live according to knowledge, what the word says. And we know that's true, but this is worth visiting again tonight because feelings can really trip us up. Feelings can feel so authentic. Feelings can feel like the most authentic thing about us. You wake up and you've got these strong feelings about something, and it's so easy to think that that is reality. But I want to ask you a question I heard someone ask recently, and it rocked my world. Someone said this, whoever said that feelings are more authentic than your will? Whoever said that feelings are more authentic than your will? We live in a world that says feelings are more authentic than your will. You know, I'll give, I'll give you a good example of this. Marriage is a great example of this. When I got married, I made a covenant with my wife, and we even signed a deed together, and, and there was a will made, there was a covenant made, and it's based on both of our will. We decided, we decided five years ago that we would be faithful in sickness and health for the rest of our lives. And so there, what, what you say, well, what if there are times, and I haven't had this and don't believe that I will, praise the Lord, but I'm just using this as an example. What if there were to be one day a feeling or a temptation to be with someone other than my wife, to, to have these adulterous thoughts or something like that? This day and age, this world we live in says that those feelings will be the most authentic thing. And if you have those feelings, then you should just surrender to them because those feelings must be who you truly are. Otherwise, you wouldn't be having those feelings. But I'm going to ask the question again. 
again, whoever said that feelings are more authentic than the will. I've got a will that the Lord gave me, and hopefully my will's based on his will. And if I have this will, then I can say, you know what? No matter what I feel, I've already made a decision. No matter what my mind is telling me, no matter what my mind may be feeling, I've already made a decision. I'm going to be faithful, whether it's to my wife, whether it's to the church, whether it's to God himself. Come on, somebody. Don't believe that just because you have some temptations and some feelings that those are the most authentic thing about you. No, your will is just as, if not more authentic than your feelings. This is why someone said one time to the young generation, he said, your personality will not define who you become. Your decisions will define who you become. And remember, when those feelings come and just rock you, when those feelings come and they're so strong, those, those lies, those things in your mind, remember, no feeling is final. No feeling is final. Don't become a slave to your feeling because if you just wait and trust in the Lord and wait on him and, and, and trust what he says in this word, I'm telling you that feeling will go away. That feeling will subside. That feeling will change. You got some dark feelings, just know no feeling is final. And you just hold your word tight and quote the Bible. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Hallelujah. I am not going to be a slave to my feelings. I'm not going to be a slave to my emotions. I'm going to surrender my mind to God and serve him with my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just because your mind tells you something. I know this is basic, but let, let, this, let this be a reminder to us. Just because your mind tells you something doesn't make it true. <laughs> we need to understand this. I, I heard a man say something so powerful recently, and he was referring primarily to like the middle-aged generations and younger, and uh, because I think he understands that the older generation has lived long enough to kind of get through some of this. But maybe this could help uh, an older brother or sister here tonight. I don't know. But this is what he said. He said, one of the most destructive practices of your generation is that you value your own thoughts way too much. One of the most destructive practices of this era and time is that people value their own thoughts way too much. Now, let me just explain before you think that this person was dogging on your creativity or thinking that you're, you're not worthy of an, uh, having your own opinion or anything like that. He, he was not saying that we should just slavishly, you know, be, be robots and have nothing going on up here. No, what he's saying is this is a day and age where someone will have a thought and identify themselves with that thought and let those thoughts become their entire identity. Right? This, this is why this is what the enemy is saying, especially to young people. If you have a thought, that's who you are. If you have a thought, don't, don't, don't think about the fact that it may have come from this sin-soaked society. Don't think about the fact that it may have come from something that you saw that you didn't ask to see. Don't, 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 don't. I don't want you to go there. I, I want you to wear this like a badge and a label. I, I want you to think and assume that this came from yourself and this identifies you. So that's why we got young people that because of our crazy society, they might have a, 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 a same-sex attraction thought. They might have a singular thought like that in regards to homosexuality. 
homosexuality, and it may not even originate with them. It might be just because of this crazy world we live in. You see it on the billboards. You hear it in the music, and so they have a thought, and the enemy lies to them and says, that's who you are. That thought should be your identity. That thought should label you, and that's not true at all. You value your own thoughts way too much. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's who you are. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it identifies you. Make up in your mind. I'm kicking that thought out. If that thought is contrary to the word of God, I'm kicking that out of my mind. You are not identified by every thought that passes through these two ears. If you were, then all of us would be considered crazy. If we were all identified by everything we think on a given daily basis, we'd all be a little loco. But thank God that that's not what defines us. Thank God that we can submit our mind to God's mind and submit our thoughts to the word of God and say, does this match up with what you're saying about me, Lord? Hallelujah. One of the most destructive practices is that you value your own thoughts way too much. Let me say this as well. Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let me just use this scripture to remind you that there's a difference between thoughts and intentions. And man, I know you've heard that before, but let me just remind you, don't you dare make those thoughts a part of your identity. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean it's an intention. Amen? And, uh, and, and, and even, if, even if the temptation was there and there was this temptation, this, this uh, uh, intention rather, the Lord can forgive you. The Lord can take those temptations and that thing that maybe you were intending to do and the Lord can turn it around on its face and convict you and save you and keep you from that dark thing. Regardless, don't make those thoughts a part of your identity. If you aren't even wanting those thoughts in your mind in the first place, why on earth would you wear them like they're your identity? If you don't even want those thoughts in your mind, then why are you assuming that's your identity? If you don't want them, that's evidence that they're not coming from you, that they don't own you, that they don't identify you. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but that's because there is an author of confusion. His name is Satan, and he wants to mess with your mind. He wants you to believe that you're identified by every dark and crazy thought you have in your mind. Reject those thoughts. Just because you have a dark day and you have a thought about what if I wasn't living anymore? That doesn't have to identify you. That doesn't have to own you. Kick that out of your mind and say, no, I'm going to choose to serve God with my mind. I'm going to choose to move forward in him. I am not identified by every dark day. I'm not identified by every dark thought. I am who God says I am. No feeling is final. You say, so what is the solution then ultimately for all the deceptive and destructive thoughts that we have? I'll give it to you. And this is, you know, sometimes the, the most simple solutions, we overlook them because we think they're too simple. But that, that they're more profound than we realize. The, the, the spiritual ABCs are more profound than we realize. So let me give you the solution for the deceptive and destructive thoughts we may have. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says... God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God's thoughts are different and higher than our thoughts. I think we can all agree on that. So instead... 
of taking what we think and feel too seriously, we need to open up the word and see what God thinks about things. This is a collection of his thoughts. And if you believe that his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, then you will pick this thing up and read what it says about you, what it says about life, what it says about reality. Come on. If his thoughts are different than ours on any given subject, we need to scratch our thoughts and adopt his thoughts. Why would I believe my thoughts over the thoughts of an infinite, all-knowing creator God? Why on earth would I worship my own thoughts when I have God's thoughts right here that I can worship? Don't worship your own thoughts. Come on, stop taking them so seriously. Stop valuing those things so much over God's thoughts. I'm not saying ignore them. I'm not saying live in denial. If they're trying to be an indicator and tell you something, sure, just pray about it. Take it to the Lord. But make up in your mind, I'm not going to believe those thoughts over God's thoughts. If those things I'm thinking after I've prayed about it and analyzed it, if those things are contrary to this word, then I'm scrapping them. No matter how real it feels, no matter how intense it feels, I'm kicking them out and I'm putting this in. We got to make up in our mind, I'm done worshiping my own thoughts. I'm done valuing my thoughts over God's thoughts. It is time for us to submit our minds to his mind. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to serve the Lord with my mind. And you say, this is too simple, preacher. Let me tell you something. It, it, it may be simple, but it's a lot. It's not as e- If it was as easy to apply as you might think, then why is it that the whole world and even Christians and even apostolics struggle with believing their own thoughts over God's thoughts? It may sound simple in theory, but it turns out it's not as easy to practice. Otherwise, we all would have done it already. But God sent a preacher to remind us, you can do this. You can decide. I'm going to believe his thoughts. I'm going to believe God's thoughts thoughts over my own. Man, we see another similar example of this in Luke 12, chapter uh, verses 22 through 26. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this is the, the ESV, and I'm slightly paraphrasing, but Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Amen. How many know that that anxiety, the fear that you've been wrestling with, it's up here. It's in your mind. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by taking thought, the ESV says, by being anxious, Another translation says, by overthinking. And this is an overthinking world we live in today. Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? God God wants to help us tonight to apply these words. We do not have to live in a spirit of anxiety. I know it's an anxious world, but it doesn't have to be an anxious church. I know there's anxious people, but we we don't have to live in that. I know there'll be anxious days because it's a crazy world and we're human, but we don't have to live in a perpetual mode and spirit of anxiety. Let me tell you what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying this. You are immensely valuable. Brother James, you are immensely valuable. 
but some of your thoughts are not. That's what he was saying. You are of the utmost value, a pearl of a great price, but some of your thoughts are garbage. That's what Jesus was saying. You know what he was doing? He was taking the person seriously while simultaneously showing them that not all their thoughts should be taken seriously. He's like, you can worship your fears or you can worship me. You can worship the anxiety or you can worship me. You can worry all day about the food and clothes or you can seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything that you need will be added unto you. Do we believe those words or not? We've just got to make up in our minds. I believe it or I don't. And I pray. I know I'm looking at people here tonight that are saying, I want to believe that. I believe that. I've chosen. I'm choosing tonight to believe that. Hallelujah. He then goes on to say, he says, fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what he's saying? I will provide. Seek first the kingdom. I'll take care of the rest. Don't worry about all these things. I got you. I'll take care of you. It's time to believe what my word is saying about you. You say, so what are God's thoughts? Well, this is why, again, we need to, I, I'm going to sound really old-fashioned. I, I know the elder saints will get with me tonight, but this is why we need to read and memorize Scripture. Do it in the translation you understand, whatever's approved by your pastor, but read and memorize it, understand it, because I cannot replace my thoughts with his thoughts if I don't ever read the collection of his thoughts. When my thoughts are at odds with his thoughts, I'm going to choose his every time. So when your mind is telling you there is no point in even trying because this will never change and you'll never get better and your situation will never get better and you'll never be able to change this cycle. When your thoughts are telling you that, ask yourself, but what does God's thoughts say? Because when you ask that, then you can turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, which is God's thought. And that scripture says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when your thoughts say you'll never change, what does God's thought say? No, you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can change. Your mind can be transformed. 1 Corinthians 6.11, when your mind's telling you, not nah, you're always going to be this way, you're always going to be messed up, you're going to stay in this cycle forever. Okay, what is God's thoughts? 1 Corinthians 6.11, and such were some of you. You were messed up, broken, addicted, washed up, all this stuff, and that's what you were, but now you're washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's God's thoughts. Whose thoughts will you believe? Yours or God's? Whose report will you believe? Your fleeting feelings or the eternal word of God. This is why when there was a woman who was caught in the act of adultery, and we know the story, he who was without a sin cast the first stone. Everyone drops their stones and leaves. Jesus got a mic drop on him. I mean, no one had anything to say against that. And then Jesus said unto her in John 8, 11, he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Okay, that's a God thought right there. Because when no one else believed she could change, Jesus did. 
You, you don't tell someone to go and sin no more unless you believe that they have it in them to go and sin no more. You don't tell someone, hey, you can go and do better unless you believe they have the potential to go and do better. When Jesus said go and sin no more, he was letting her know it's possible. You're able to live a life free of sin and free of addiction, and you don't have to go back to this stuff anymore. Come on. Jesus is letting her know, I believe in you. You can do this. When your thoughts say you're just a messed up adulterer and you'll always be this way, Jesus says, no, no, no. In me, you can go and sin no more. Come on. Whose thoughts will you believe? Your thoughts are God's thoughts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, need to, we need to understand that when you live for Jesus, change is not only possible, change is inevitable. I didn't say just automatically. I said when you live for Jesus, when you do your best as the flawed human being that you are to live for Jesus, change is not only possible, change is inevitable. Like the song says, even when I don't see it or always feel it, he's working. He, he is able and he will complete the good work that he began in us, the scripture says. So when your thoughts say that you haven't really changed... You know, you got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, but I, I, I don't know if I've really changed. You need to reject that lie, okay? You've been made a new creature in Christ. That's what the Word says. That's not my opinion. You need to reject that lie knowing that it is impossible to live for Jesus and make efforts for Jesus and make changes for Jesus and not be changed yourself. It is impossible to try to be more like Jesus and there not be any change in you whatsoever. If you put forth effort, and I'm looking at people who certainly have and do, you can trust that his spirit in you is putting in double the effort. That's why the scripture says his spirit makes intercession for us with groanings, with groanings and moanings that can't be uttered. You know what picture that paints? You know, it's like if you were to try to move a washer or dryer or piano by yourself, you probably couldn't do it. But someone could come along with you and help you move that. And as they're moving it for you and carrying that load for you, there's some moanings. There's some groanings. It's like the Lord gets his back under that heavy thing that we can't lift by ourselves, And he starts moving it for us. And pulling it for us and that's why there's groanings and moanings because he is carrying the burden and the weight that we cannot carry by ourselves you're not fighting alone when you live for jesus change is inevitable oh come on this is one of the most hopeful things that you'll hear all week i hope you believe this change is inevitable when you live for him so when the enemy tells you that you'll always be this way. Reject that thought because God says otherwise. When your mind says that you're not worthy of love and you're not lovable, remember what the scripture says. God's thoughts say that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing that you've ever seen, nothing that you've ever done, nothing that's ever been done to you could ever separate you from the love of God. I want the musician to come if she can. The question is, are we going to believe that? It's that simple. The root of every problem in our life is when we, when we fail to believe what God says. It is a choice. Faith is what you do about what you believe. It's, it's, it's a choice. 
I choose to believe these things. And I know it's easier said than done. We have this human condition. But I just came tonight with a simple, a simple reminder to tell you the remedy. While it may be hard to apply, it's not as complex as you think. Do you believe what God says about you or not? Do you believe what God says about himself or not? Do you believe what God says about the world or not? When the enemy says, oh, come on, you were, just, you were born this way. Reject that. And say, God says I've been born again. It doesn't matter how I was born. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't matter. I don't mean it, I'm not making it insignificant. But, but my mom and dad, what my mom did when I was in her womb and, and it affected me. And I was born a certain way with certain proclivities. And Can I tell you something? You, you don't have to live in that identity. You can say, hey, I've been born again. And it all stops at the bloodline of Jesus Christ. I may have been born a certain way. You know what? We all were born into sin in some different way, shape, or form. But you were not just born into this world. You were born in the spirit. You've been born again by God's grace you can fundamentally change who you are you can fundamentally change the way you think there are some people here tonight that you know obviously God God does the work we can't do anything by ourselves our righteousness is as filthy rags but there were incredible spiritual changes in your life when you made up in your mind to finally just believe that scripture that God was trying to get you to believe sometimes it is that simple when your pastor is preaching something over and over again and preaching this thought preaching this principle and you make up in your mind you know what I could keep rejecting that and saying that's for someone else or I don't know if it's that simple or I, I you know yeah I'm not good enough so that word doesn't apply to me or you could just make up in your mind I'm going to believe that I'm going to receive it I'm going to believe it and I'm going to go home and do my best to apply it because I want to serve the Lord with my mind 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The spirit you have within you means that you have unprecedented access to his power, his love, and a sound mind. Do you believe? Listen, I, I'm almost done. Just stay with me. Do you even believe in the power of the spirit within you? You believed it. You believed you could receive it, and thank God you did. But do you believe in it? Do you believe in the power of what's within you? It's one thing to receive the Spirit of God. It's another thing to believe in the Spirit of God. God believes in us. Some of us don't really believe in Him. We don't really believe He's able. We don't, we don't really believe He loves us like He says He does. We don't really believe that we can live above those things. If we really believed it, things could change. And I'm not saying that in any in negative way. I've got things myself that I'm, God's working on me. I'm, I'm, I'm just as flawed as anybody else. But I just come with a simple reminder. Do you believe that you are who God says you are? Will you put God's thoughts ahead and above your own? Your faith, your faith in baptism and remission of sins is just as important as the act of baptism and remission of sins. Your faith in the power of the Holy Ghost is just as important as the reception of the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't even believe in what you have, if you don't even believe in what you've experienced, you'll spend your life in misery even though the answer is living in your heart. 
And I travel enough and your pastor travels enough to know that we see people all the time that have been baptized in Jesus' name and Holy Ghost filled, but because they don't actually even believe in what they participated in and believe what has now been put in them, they still spend their life in misery, living less than, living in pain, living in sorrow. And I believe everyone here, just about everyone here under the sound of my voice has been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Do you understand and believe still in what has happened to you? Do you know the difference between a physically blind person and a spiritually blind person? The difference between a physically blind person and a spiritually blind person is that a physically blind person knows he is blind. The term spiritually blind does not just refer to those who sin, reject God, refuse to be a Christian, or refuse to let go of pride, although spiritually blind refers to all of that too. But spiritually blind people can also be people just like me and you, wonderful saints of God who are living in misery because they don't understand or believe what God's unfailing love has done for them. You know, it is called good news, right? The gospel. It's good news. It's news about what has been done for you. You know, the scriptures have plenty of advice of how to live your life, but the gospel at its core is not advice. It's news about what has been done for you. And we can, we can start to truly know and find ourselves once we believe. And even if this is for one or two people, I'm fine with that. We can start to truly know and find ourselves once we believe what he says about us. When you believe that God loves you enough to come to earth and fill your soul with his spirit. When you believe that God loves you enough to die for you. Come on, I'm going back to the spiritual ABCs because that's the foundation of all language. That, that's the foundation of everything. When you truly believe in the power and efficacy of what you have receive you will receive a revelation of your value your purpose and your identity come on faith in the truth is what will deliver you faith in the truth is what brings freedom faith in God's thoughts over your thoughts is what will set you free I conclude with this story tonight why don't we stand I have permission from my wife to share this just a simple story as we conclude I mentioned on Sunday, some of you know my wife's story. I think she may have told her testimony a few years ago at a women's event here. And I don't have time to go through it all. Um, but my wife, my wife just grew up with a really terrible, terrible situation. Like I know many of you had that misfortune as well. And, um, you know, she's in her teen years now. And this is when we were dating or maybe engaged, if not engaged yet, getting close to it. And um, there was just all kinds of pain and baggage from her past so much of it she did not ever ask for or certainly did not deserve but now it's affecting her it's affecting her thoughts affecting her mind affecting the way she sees herself and she was struggling to know how to even take care of herself 
She was, she was, she was hard on herself, beating up on herself, struggling, struggling in life. I'm not saying she was going around sinning, but there was just some strongholds in her mind of what she believed in herself. She never believed she was worthy, never believed she was good enough. She did not know how to take care of herself, and she was just constantly striving. She was, she was like someone just living out uh, almost, almost on the streets in a sense, uh, uh, spiritually or emotionally, who was, who was just trying to gather enough, enough scraps to get through the next day and survive. She, she was not living in, in the abundance of God's love and, and joy that he had for her, but she was dragging herself around by the collar, barely making it through life. And there was one day in prayer when she got so exhausted and so tired of all the chaos, she got down to pray and she heard God's voice as clear as I'm talking to you right now. And God said, you're living like an orphan when I have already made you my daughter. You're living like an orphan when I have already made you my daughter. And he didn't say it in anger or frustration. He said it in gentle love like only the Lord can. And he's letting her know, you don't have to just survive anymore. You can thrive. You don't have to live like this orphan that's constantly defending yourself and scared and running into corners and putting up walls and just living just like this frightened little orphan that has to do everything on her own because you were abandoned. No, no, no. You don't have to live like that anymore because you may have been persecuted and cast down and forsaken, but in me you have not been abandoned. The scripture says, I have made you my daughter. Are you going to live like an orphan? Are you going to keep living like an orphan? Are you going to live like the daughter of the king that you truly are? As a daughter of the king, you have a rightful access and inheritance to joy, to peace like you've never known, to love and grace and mercy. You ha that's your rightful inheritance as a son and daughter of God. You may not get a Mercedes. You may not get a mansion. You get something better when you're a child of God. You get grace. You get kindness. You get me. You get humility. You get deliverance. You get a good family, a good husband, a good wife. Come on. You get things abundantly above you can, all you could ever ask or think. But you got to make up in your mind, am I going to live in this new reality, this daughter or son of God, or am I going to keep living like an orphan? Some of us have a father's house reality, but we have a pig pen mentality. We've got to make up in our mind. I don't, I don't live in the pig pen anymore. I'm in the Father's house. I've got access to the Father on a daily basis. I'm not taking that for granted anymore. I'm going to live like the son or daughter he's made me to be. I'm going to start believing his thoughts every time my thoughts lie to me. Come on, I'm done preaching. Why don't we lift our hands right now all over this house and respond to his word. Come on. Come on, make up in your mind. I am going to believe his word like I have never believed it before. His word no longer is just going to collect dust on my nightstand. His, his word isn't just going to be something that I hear three times a week. His word is going to be something that I live. His word is going to be something that I believe. Come on. I'm going to memorize these things. Memorize these scriptures. So every time my thoughts lie to me, I can replace them with God's thoughts. Come on, I am not that dark, broken, destroyed thing. I, I am not what my thoughts say I am. I am who God says that I am. I'm going to stop assuming. I'm going to stop putting things on others. I'm going to stop living according to my feelings. I'm going to stop living according to my own thoughts. And Jesus, I'm going to believe yours like I never have before. Hallelujah. Come on, just for a few more minutes. Hallelujah. 
hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I choose to believe. I choose to believe regardless of what I feel. I choose to believe your thoughts over my thoughts. I choose to not make assumptions, but Lord, to, to give the benefit of the doubt, to trust you, to wait on you, to leave things in your hands. I choose to not try to fight all my own battles and put it all in my hands, but God, I trust you and trust your ways. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. That's it, sir. You're not an orphan. You're a son of God. Come on. That's it, ma'am. You're not an orphan. You're a daughter of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.